we yell this at midnight on the 31st. Happy New Year. So my question to you is, how happy has it been? Good. Awesome. We're still here, and he's still coming. He is closer today than he's ever been. And that's a good thing because the world needs to see him, glorious and victorious. But they have an opportunity to see him glorious and victorious in each one of our lives every day if we're choosing to allow God to have his way. You know, we, we, we make plans, we have resolutions, we do all sorts of things. And uh, I told you last week that I was going into the gym and uh, one of the guys this week said, have you noticed? I was like, what are you talking about? You notice the new people? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's great that they're coming. I hope they continue. Because how many of you know every person here, without exception, can start a marathon? <laughs> right? I have to tell you, when I was recovering from my motorcycle accident, I talked to Pastor Jeremy, who trains um, people that do Ironmans. He's done Ironmans, and he trains people that do Ironmans. And I was just, I must have been hit my head in the accident because I said to him, you know what, I want to do an Ironman. I couldn't even walk. But I wanted to do an Ironman. He said, well, let's start with something a little, little less intense. And even at that, I needed somebody to coach me all the way along and help me to keep going when I wanted to quit. And, you know, that's the thing that happens. We start things. And, and, and it's a great thing to start thing, something, but to finish something is even better. And we need to be finishers. That's what Jesus did. He finished the work. He said on the cross, it is He's a finisher, are you? We have to choose to endure, just like Jesus did. He endured the, same, the, the pain, the suffering, and the shame of the cross. And we have to resolve and determine no matter what we encounter, when we start what God has for us to start, we're going to finish what God has for us to finish. Because we know that his grace, his presence, his power, his provision... And because it's his plan, it's the best thing we could do and give ourselves to. And so we've been, we've been looking at, at a scripture. Now, this message that I started sharing with you last week, it started back in September. I, I always start in the last quarter of the year. I guess that's a little more than a quarter, maybe a third of the year. Uh, to ask God, help me to understand. Help me to understand, have understanding in what's ahead. Because God will reveal things to you if you really want to know. Not if you want to choose whether you want to do something. If you ask him, show me what you have for me, and you don't have any guards on that where you're basically saying, show me and I'll determine whether I want to do it, he won't show you. 
He's not going to put you in a place of possible rebellion. The Bible says when we seek him with our whole heart, when we seek him diligently, with our whole heart means that we're open to whatever he has to reveal to us because then when he reveals it, he'll also provide the means that we need to be able to walk this out. And so as I was praying, there are some scriptures that started to come to mind, and we're, we're looking at one of them, and we're going to jump right in this week back where we didn't even end up, but we started. So before we go any further, let's pray. If you bow your heads, and this is a time I pray, but it's a time for you to pray, to invite God to be able to speak to you personally, specifically, and practically about what he knows about your life, what he wants to do, and what's ahead. And he'll do it through his word and by his spirit. And so right now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. You're everywhere, but Father, in this moment, we've chosen, the people here, the people online have chosen to put a priority and give you preeminence that you would have first place as we pause from the schedules, from the demands, from the things that, that we've planned to spend time praising you and worshiping you and to make ourselves available to learn of you, to hear from your heart, from your word, to grow in our wisdom and understanding of you and as we do our love for you and our trust in you and obedience to you. Father, today we thank you. We thank you for the rhema word, the sword of the spirit, that you will hand to each one of us today who has ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church. That, Father, we can do the battle you have for us to do in the way you have for us to do it, knowing that we're not trying to gain a victory. We already have a victory. We're just enforcing the victory of Jesus in this earth. We thank you, Father, for all of this. In Jesus' name, everyone said. So last week we started out and didn't get very far, but we got to Proverbs, the book of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, A man's heart plans his way. Now, we, we found out that last week we, we understood that that's not always God. What you have in your heart, what I have in my heart, may or may not be inspired by God because the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, the heart is wicked beyond all things. It's deceitful. And so we can't trust our own hearts, even as Christians. How many of us know here today that we can be saved and there can be things in our hearts and our minds that are not God? If that's news to anybody, I need to talk to you after the service. Because we hold all sorts of things in our hearts. Do we hold unforgiveness in our hearts? Absolutely. Do we hold ill will in our hearts towards another person? Yeah. And so our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And, and we need to be aware our heart has to be changed by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And if we don't take in 
regularly the Word of God, if we aren't meditating on, if we aren't choosing to adjust our lives to the Word of God, then we're going to stay on a path that was a path of destruction. Because God's not going to push you off the path you choose. The path I choose is the path that God is going to be with me in, but not necessarily guiding me because it's not the path he has for me. And so I need to get on the right path. I need to get connected to the right plan because God has a plan for every one of us. Not just to save. God has a plan for every human being. It's this plan. It's for good and not for evil or destruction with a future and a hope. And yet, people that don't know Jesus can't experience that. People that do know Jesus and have chosen Jesus as Lord may experience that if they choose to really allow him to be Lord in their lives. That's not just saying, God, give me the goodies. That's saying, God, I need you to develop me so that when the goodies come, they're not going to corrupt me and get me led astray. Because there are a lot of things that are good, but they can draw us away from God. If you had an unlimited bank account, let's just say you were a billionaire. Some of you are like, are you praying for that, Pastor? No, I'm not. Because many times we can't handle what we want. If you were a billionaire, how much time would you spend with God? Now, I know we all want to say, well, then I wouldn't have to work. I could spend all my time with God. That's a possibility. But it's also a possibility that with the billion dollars, you'd buy all sorts of toys and houses in various places, and you'd just be traveling. Suffering for Jesus. Somebody's got to do it. But, but it, it distracts us. Many times these things that are good, they're not bad, they're good, but they're not God because they pull us away from God. They become an idol. And we have to be wise. And the wisest one of all is God. And so a man's heart plans his way. Don't say, well, you know, I had in my heart. Because you may not or you may be following God. But it goes on to say, but the Lord directs his steps. No matter what plan you have, we always have to be open to let God have the last say. And if we're really going to live the life God has for us, he should have the first say and the last say and everything in between, because that's the only way we'll stay on track. But he'll direct our what? Steps. You know, we've had a week now of 2024. <laughs> so, <laughs> I couldn't believe that was, oh. <laughs> uh, it may not have started out well, but remember, you can finish well. God always wants the finish, the end, to be better than the beginning. And the end he has for you is better than the beginning of you. But the only way to have that is let him have his way. 
And so this, these steps, these steps, this word steps means steps. I know you came for just that revelation, right? And, and, and what are steps? Help me understand, what is a step? It is an action we take. Let's just talk about us physically. If I take a step, what am I doing? I'm moving. Am I moving two feet at the same time or one foot? That's right, because if I move two feet at the same time, what is it? A hop, a jump. That's right. We don't jump through life. We walk through life step by step by step. I want you to understand that God is, our God is a process God. He does miracles, but we're not supposed to live by miracles. We're supposed to be going from glory to glory to glory to glory, right? It's process. God is not so interested in you getting to the destination. He's probably not as interested as you are in getting to the destination because what will we usually want? What do we usually say? What do kids say when we're in a car and we're going somewhere? That's it. And, and we're driving through this beautiful countryside. There are a lot of things to see. Are we there yet? We're a lot like those kids with God. Are we there yet? God, when are we going to get there? And God wants to show you the just absolutely amazing, awesome things that he's created and he has for you and he's doing for you in the process. And we're, are we there yet? And God wants us to get there, but when we get there, we need to be different than when we started going. This whole thing is about transformation. When we're saved, we're transformed in our spirit. We become this new creation in Christ. But we don't change how we look. We don't change immediately how we act. Because we don't change how we think. And so there's this process that goes on below sea level. I did a message years ago below sea level. Because that's where God works first. He doesn't work where everybody sees everything. Because that's where we want him to work. That's why we do what we do. You know, when we put pictures up, we want everybody to see the best part of us, right? But is a selfie a portrait of who we really are? <laughs> Absolutely not. And now with what's available, we can make anything look like anything. We're becoming less confident in what we see, what we hear, what we're exposed to because of the power that is at work in our world. It used to be there was a, a phrase, what you see is what you get. That is no longer true. And yet... We want everybody to see us as perfect. The best version of us. But the only way the best version of us happens is if, is if it happens starting deep inside us. Because the external facade that we present to everybody 
cannot stand the pressure and the time if the inside isn't supported. And we'll reveal that over and over again. The Bible says out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. We can look nice and smell nice and sound nice, but eventually something's going to come up that's going to give us away. And if we're wise, and I believe you are because you're a child of God, if we're wise, we're not just going to listen to what everybody else says. We need to really listen to what we're saying because we'll find out a lot about us that we don't necessarily, we aren't necessarily aware of. And so these plans, uh, these steps, the plans that God has, he directs our steps in. And, and so this word steps means steps, and it's an incremental movement that is done over and over and over again. Now, when you do redundant movements, is there a lot of satisfaction in that? No. No, if we do the same thing over and over and over and over again, we usually have this one word that kind of sums it all up. Boring. And, and that's one of the dangers about this process God that we serve. We tend to feel this is boring. Are we there yet? And God is looking to do magnificent things transformational works in the progress of the process. Another definition of this word steps is it's the word that uh, is stride. Now, when I take a stride, the stride is the distance I cover with every step. My stride isn't the same as yours. Yours is probably not like anybody else's. And so God directs our strides, how much distance we cover. You and I, we need to be willing to let God say, okay, I'm not going to get through this whole book. God's saying, just concentrate on this chapter. Just concentrate on this verse. Just concentrate on this principle. But God, I can, I can really stride out there. What happens if you take a stride that's bigger than what your normal stride is? It causes you to get off balance. Have you ever seen anybody run downhill? Have you? No, I'm not going to ask you if you ran. What happens is the stride starts getting longer and longer. And it and, and just attracts attention. You're watching this person making these strides that are huge. Man, did you see how big that step was? And we're waiting for it. We're waiting for the yard sale. They just blow up. Can't maintain that stride. And they fall down and things fall off. And we want to impress people with our strides. See how much I can step out here? God's not impressed. We're just putting ourselves in a place where we're going to get out of balance. And if we stay out of balance long enough, we're going to fall. And so he has a stride for us, just like he had for Israel in the wilderness. God was taking them through. They decided to keep going around. That wasn't God's will. 
And, and what he did was he said, all right, here's how it's going to happen, boys and girls. I'm going to have a pillar of fire by night that you're going to follow. And I'm going to have a cloud by day. And I'm telling you, first of all, when they saw that, they were so grateful. Because what do you want in the desert? Shade. That's what the cloud did by day. You get out of that cloud, you could die quick. The pillar of fire by night, they didn't have flashlights. You ever thought about that? They'd be walking around in the dark. And there's this pillar of fire. That, that leads them and illuminates where they're going. They can see what's in front of them. Also, in the nighttime in the desert, just as it gets really wickedly hot in, in the daytime, it gets brutally cold at night. And the fire heated them. And they could only move when these two manifestations of God moved. We need to learn from the children of Israel. Follow God. Don't try and take big steps because you want to get there quicker or you want to impress somebody. And the third thing that the, this word steps means is pace. Pace is how quick you, you do it again. Step, the incremental, redundant action we take, Stride, how much we cover, and then how quickly we do it again. Now, I'm not a runner. You can tell that by looking at me. But I've tried to run. And I went running, again, going back to training, not for an Ironman, just for a triathlon. And Coach Jeremy came up to my house and we were going to run. Now, I know he's a runner. I know he runs long distances. I know he runs well, and I know I don't. And so in my brain, I'm thinking, I don't want to let Coach down. <laughs> and so, you know, I meet him in the driveway. We have a few pleasantries. We exchange, and we get up on the road and start to run. I'm telling you, I was way out in front of him. I was just booking it. And he easily catches up to me. Now I'm giving it all I got. And he says to me, and he can talk when he runs. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> he says to me in a very calm voice, why are you running so fast? Now, I can't talk. And my brain is really struggling because my body is about to die. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to answer this. So I just answered it with the only answer I had. This is just how I run. <laughs> he was like, you can't run very long this way. Let's, let's back it off. You know, sometimes God will back you off from the pace that you have because you think you got to get there. Or you got to impress this one or that one. 
Or maybe you just don't know how to run the race that God has for you. And you need a coach. And, and Pastor Jeremy's not going to be available for all of you. And he's a really good coach. But the best coach is available to every one of us. And that's Holy Spirit. Because he not only knows the race that you're to run, he is part of creating the race that you're to run. The steps you're to take. The strides you're supposed to have. And the pace you need to keep. Sometimes you have to pick it up. Sometimes you need to back it down. You know, you do have to lengthen your stride sometimes when you come to a hole or some difficult terrain and you may have to jump over it or shorten your stride because the train is really, really uneven. And so a man's heart plans his way, but God, but God, God directs our steps, our strides, and our pace. Are you willing to let that happen? Because if you aren't, if I'm not, I'm not going to finish the race. I'm going to end up falling down a lot. I'm going to wear myself out because I am not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is what God has planned for me to do by the grace of God and for the glory of God. And so we, we need to be aware God needs to be in control. God needs to guide. God needs to govern. Now, these are, these are terms we've talked about a lot. We've heard them. But we need to have Holy Spirit help us to see, is that really active in our life? Is God directing our steps or are we still doing us? Because if we're still doing us, it's going to be very little difference between what we were doing before we came to Christ. Even though we're saved. Even though the presence of God, the Spirit of God lives in us. The plan of God is now unlocked for us. And available to us. And like I said, this message started months ago. And and. We're going to hit a couple of more scriptures before we get to the exact place that God was taking me when, when I was just crying out to him. But we see that there, is, there are things that need to be adjusted by God, not us. And then the next thing we see, and this was part of what I started to get in my spirit as I was praying and, and just sitting before God and reading my Bible. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 1, this was a song back in the, the 60s. And, and it was from Scripture. And most people had no idea that it came out of this chapter in Ecclesiastes. And it says, to everything, what does that leave out? Correct. To everything, there is a season and a time for every matter or purpose under heaven. God still has seasons and times for everything. 
What if you go out right now and you decide, I'm going to plant corn? Why are you laughing at me? Do you know there are people on the earth that are planting corn right at this time? They don't happen to be in our hemisphere because they're experiencing a different season. There's a season to plant corn, and, and the rest of this chapter talks about the time to plant and a time to harvest and a variety of other things. But I didn't want us to be distracted with that because we need to see to everything there is a season. What is a season? It's a period of time. It's a length of time in a cycle of something or a stage of something. How many seasons do we have? We have two, winter and our day of summer. But this year, my gosh, have we been blessed? For those of you that don't know, want snow, you're really blessed. For those of you that want to ski, you're in trouble. There are people that bought new snowmobiles for Christmas. They are finally getting to use them. But no guarantee they'll be able to use them past this week. Because we get into seasons. Seasons of four seasons, the seasons of life. I'll make some of you happy, some of you sad. Baseball season. <laughs> Pastor Jeremy, control yourself. Pastor Jeremy plays lacrosse. He coaches lacrosse. There was a saying by lacrosse players. Friends don't let friends play baseball. Play lacrosse. I did, I did not make that up. And John, don't wait for him in the parking lot. <laughs> to everything, there's a season. There's a time. There's, there's an expanse of time, windows that something could start and should start and at a time it should end. You know, planting season isn't a day. There's a span of time that you've got to get the seed in the ground for the plant to grow so that you can get a mature plant to harvest. But there are not just seasons, there are times. And times, when we think of time, we think, what time is it? A great Chicago song by the group Chicago. Does anybody know what time it is? Do you know God created time? And he is not limited or confined by time. He's able to move through time like you and I move through space. And yet, this time, we think it's exact. What time is it? Well, it's 10.52. But it's not always exact and precise. How many of you traveled during the holidays? Planes, trains, automobiles. Did you ever encounter what you were told was the departure time? Last year, Debbie and I, we had Christmas Eve service. It was a Friday. 
No, Saturday evening, we were prepared to fly out last year on Christmas Day to surprise our grandkids. And the departure time kept getting pushed back. It was a time they gave us. We counted on it. And because of a variety of things, it changed. Arrival times. Due times. When, when a woman has a time in her pregnancy for her to deliver, does it just happen on that day? Thank you. No. But we, 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 we expect this exact, this precise. But time, too, is a span. It's an interval of shorter duration. It's more short-lived than a season. Seasons are like this. Times are like this. And this says there are seasons for everything. And there is a time for every matter and purpose under heaven. Now, who's in charge of that? That's right. Do you know that the Bible says that God makes everything beautiful in his time? So whatever you're dealing with today, maybe what you've been dealing with back starting in 2023, and it's made its ugly way into 2024. If you will trust God, if you will give that to God and give yourself to God, God promised that he will make everything beautiful in his time. Now, it may be really ugly, really bad, but he's promised he'll work all things for good because we love him and are called according to his purpose. So a time and season for everything. But those seasons, those times, we have to walk through. We're walking through. We're we're. We're taking steps that seem like they're the same over. I'm always reading my Bible. I'm always praying. I'm always going to church. Not seeing a whole lot of progress. You know, what's, what's, what's really valuable? What's really been beneficial from, from taking this time that I could use to, for something else uh, that I'm putting into studying my Bible and memorizing Scripture and, and uh, you know, spending time with believers. I don't know if I'm getting really anything out of this. I'm just seeming to spend time instead of invest it. The world, world talks about it. I've said it. I've heard Christians say it. Well, you know, my life is like one step forward. Yeah, multiple steps back. Anybody ever, ever... Consider that, man, I try to make progress, but my progress seems to end me up behind. My grandparents lived in, in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey, and we would go into the Amish country. And my grandmother bought a little plaque. It was an Amish saying, the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. And you know, sometimes we feel that way. But, you know, everything isn't 
what it seems to be. Our perception and our appearance, what, how we see it, what it appears to be. Now, I'm going to ask you to indulge me. Took a lot of time for this prop. I took the target from Quest. Pastor Jeremy, can I borrow a target? Thank you. And, and I put a stripe on it. Took me a lot of time. I couldn't get the stripe to stick. But if this is your life, all right, and, and you're going through life, and all of a sudden, life starts to do this, what does that, what does that indicate? If over time, this happens. So what's the direction? And if this is where we're going, forward, correct? Up and forward. If you're going up and forward, is it good or bad? We usually think it's good. Because it's getting better and we're progressing. If all of a sudden we experience this, what direction is it still going? Forward, but down. Still making progress, but it's going down. Not exactly what we want, but we'll take it because we're still going forward. What about when it goes to the next quadrant? Ooh, almost dropped it. Down and backward. Okay? If we're trying to get there, now we're moving from here and we're moving to there. It's backward. But let me show you what this is like because we're not stationary. We're moving through time. Up and forward. Forward and down. Down and backward. What just happened? We moved. The overall movement not just looking at what was happening for a moment, how we were sensing, oh, it's forward, it's, it's down, it's backwards, it's up. We made progress all the way along. Even the backward and down was progress. There are times in your life and my life that we feel like we're going backward and down, but we have continued to the best of our ability to stay on track with God. God, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do what you have for me to do, the way you have for me to do it, the pace, the stride. And it may appear, you may perceive, you may think, it may seem like you're going down and backwards. But if you are staying the course with God, you are making progress. As you build Scripture into your lives, we don't always see it. It may feel like, Man, I'm just wasting my time. But I'm telling you right now, it's Holy Spirit's ministry to bring that word back to you. He can't bring back to you what you haven't brought. And so we need to understand the seasons and times we're in because we're progressing through them to where God has for us to go. But at the pace and the stride and the number of steps that he has for us to do it.
Because if we arrive early, we think, well, that's really good. If you arrive where God has for you to go early, I want to warn you. You won't be prepared when you get there. God does not waste anything. The Bible says, in our distress. How many of you are praying for distress? Of course we aren't. But this is what God's Word says. In our distress, our hearts are enlarged. We grow. Because just like the wilderness was planned by God not to destroy Israel, not to demoralize Israel... Not to deprive Israel from the promised land. It was to develop Israel to understanding how powerful, how faithful, how loving, how providing and generous God is in the most hostile environment they could ever be in. So that when they went into the promised land, they were going to encounter giants and armies and fortified cities that they had never encountered before. And the same God that was able to make water come from a rock, rain manna down on them every day, and even bring in fresh squab birds for them to eat, would surely be able to take care of them there. But the reason why they didn't go in, in the few weeks that God intended them to go through the desert in, was because they didn't believe. And it wasn't until they came to that place where they really believed, you know what, God can take care of us. Then they went in. God is not going to bring you into something that he hasn't prepared you for. God will always prepare you before you get to what he has. Now that, please don't think I said something I didn't. He's not going to get you to the place where you're confident and comfortable in yourself. Because God doesn't want you confident and comfortable in you. Because you and I have limits. And so we need to know the seasons and the times that we're in. Because God is developing us step by step. Stride by stride. Pace by pace, to cause us to arrive where he has planned for us to be. Not our hearts, him. The Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. But we know the plan God has for us, which is for good and not for evil or destruction with a future and a hope. So that's the plan of God, but it hasn't in, entered into our hearts or our minds until we go through the process. And we are so unprocess-oriented because we are always looking for quicker ways, easier ways. Do you know when it's easy, you don't grow? If that were the case, if it was easy and we grew, then nobody would go to the gym. Nobody would read books. Nobody would do anything. Because being sedentary, being, being just unactive, inactive, we develop. But we don't. 
we decay. We lose ground. So we can't possibly, in our right minds, think, if I don't apply myself to God's word, to God's ways, to God's kingdom, to God governing and guiding me and guarding me, then my spiritual life is going to be great. And yet how much, how much do we put into our spiritual life, our spiritual growth? Because again, we're so caught up with this part of life. This part of life isn't even the best part. It might be a challenge if this was the best it was. It'd be easy to get caught up with it. But Christian, please listen. This is the closest to hell you're going to get. And some of us are saying, man, I can't imagine what hell's like. But let's plan for eternity. Let's live our lives as if it was never going to end and we're going to be with God. Not just that when we get there, we'll finally change. This is preparation for eternity. This is a season, a portion of our life. And there are times within the season. And don't want and long for a different time because there's something in every time and every season that God has for us to grow in. Now, sometimes the growing for us is not all, woohoo! You know, I read a book. I was really excited about it. The title was, The Kingdom of God is a Party. I thought, that's exactly what I need. And, and it is, there's a lot of celebration, but there are difficult times. Jesus told us, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. How crazy was he at that moment? Because Tribulation, difficult times, and joy don't go together unless you know that that difficult time that you're going through, you're not just camping out in because you quit. You're going through is developing you to become the person God has for you to be when you face the things that are even more daunting and they're not going to overwhelm you. We don't get intimidated by the things that used to intimidate us because we see God coming through. In that time, in that season, we stayed the course with God. We didn't bail out. We didn't quit. We didn't try and distract ourselves with other things. But we stayed the course and we saw God do what only he could do. And not that he just had one. He could only do it one time. With God, all things are possible at all times. What do you need today? I want you to know the one who has what you need is your Lord and Savior. It comes from his kingdom. All the things he has 
And it's his good pleasure to give you his kingdom. But he's not going to throw it at us and let it drop to the ground. He wants us to be pursuing. Seek first. Seek first what? The kingdom of God. And what does it tell us will happen? Matthew 6, 33. And all, not some, not a few, all these other things will be added unto you. God will bring it to you because we're not going after it. The moment you go after something that's not God, if you ever catch it, you're going to be disappointed. And most of the time, we can't walk fast enough, make our stride big enough to catch these things. They're just, just, just beyond our reach. But if we'll seek him with our whole heart, if we'll seek him diligently, he said, you'll find me. He's waiting to be found. He's waiting to be turned to. He's waiting to be trusted. And we trust so many other things, so much more than we trust God. And they have terrible track records, including us. So there's, there's to everything there's a season, there's a time for every purpose under heaven. God is not up there saying, hey, Jesus, What's going on? He knows exactly what's going on, not just in the world, not just in every human being's life, but in the whole universe. He's got that capacity that he can be aware and, and if we let him, he can be in control of our lives. But that doesn't mean we're not going to have difficult times. He's taking us through something that he wants to show himself strong on our behalf and reveal who he is and what he can do if we'll just turn to him and trust him. If we'll just rely on him, submit to him, and obey him. Now, all of this is kind of the introduction. You're like, I don't have that much time, Pastor. I've made lunch reservations. <laughs> We're getting to the part where I really started to study because it was what God had really put on my heart for myself and I believe for this year. And, and it comes in, and please don't put this up, it comes in the book of First Chronicles. Now, I don't know if you've ever read it, but I, I want to tell you about what's happening, setting the stage for what's happening in this moment that we're about to read a portion of. All right, David. It's about David. And how many of you know that at one point in David's life, um, only God knew what was ahead for David? David didn't know it. David's father didn't know it. David's brothers didn't know it. The prophet didn't know it. Nobody knew it. But God. And when it happened, very few could believe it. But God was sending Samuel, the prophet, to Jesse's house 
to anoint the next king. But there's just one problem. There was still a king on the throne. And, and that King Saul was a man that God, God chose. But Saul changed. We're all supposed to be changing, but how many of you know we can change either for the good or for the bad? Right? It's, it's, it seems almost easier to change for the bad. I don't know that to be true, but it seems like it. And, and so Saul, who when he was little, the Bible says, in his own eyes, God made him king. Why? Why does it say in his own eyes he was little, he was made king? Because it reveals his dependence on God. He was not aware and full of pride to say, well, I can do this. This is what I want to do. And so at this point, God knows what we're all going to do. And Saul is a type of the flesh. Just like Paul, formerly Saul, operated in the flesh and did things he thought was exactly what God wanted, but it was just the opposite of what God wanted. We as Christians, as born-again Christians, we have a part that is still the flesh. We fight against it. It's our old nature that, yes, we become new creations in Christ, but that part hasn't gone. You know, I know. I know that when I got saved, I still had a problem with my anger. There were a lot of carryovers, but the Bible says I was free. I was set free from the power of sin. You're set free from the power of sin. But sin doesn't play fair. The enemy doesn't play fair. He's going to come and tell you, you're not free of that. And guess what? He's the father of all lies. You can't trust what he says. But sometimes we believe his lies. And so Saul believed the lies and the pride came and, and he finally just did not do what God wanted. And God had to replace him. And David was the one he was going to replace him with. And he was anointed to be the next king and the king found out and I'm sure you as well as I, we know how the king handled it. Hey, that's great. I'm really excited for you to be the next king. Is that the way he handled it, you think? No, David spent years as a fugitive. He was running from Saul trying to kill him. And Saul had an army to try and do it. And where we're picking it up in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 is where David... What, let me tell you what happened before. David's out in the wilderness, and people are coming to him because they know he's out there. But it wasn't the cream of the crop. It was those who were in distress, in debt. What was the third D? I'll have to look at my notes. Hold on. There were three days. It was really good that God did that for us. I wish I could remember it. In distress, in debt, and discontent. Now, do these sound like folks you want coming out to you in a dangerous and difficult time? No. If they're in distress, they are all stressed out. They're a mess. If they're in debt, they've got nothing really to bring. 
And if they're discontent, what do discontent people do? They complain. What a great group. Right? And so he, these people that come out at this point, God is able to do a miracle just like he does in our life. It will let him. These people became the mighty men of David. And in chapter 12, David begins to see people coming to him from Israel. Not the ones in distress and debt and discontent. These are amazing warriors. And we pick this up because they're coming for a purpose. And in 1 Corinthians, or Chronicles chapter 12, starting in verse 22, and you can read the chapter and see, see all of this, but I don't have time to do that. I'm running out of time. For at that time they came to David day by day to help him. That first group didn't come to help him, but God developed them to be the mighty men of David. They were great helps eventually. But guess what it took? Time, a process of development. God does not develop us miraculously because if he did, we couldn't keep it. He develops us over time, step by step, stride by stride, pace by pace, so that we can continue to keep what he is building in us. And look what it says. Until it was a great army like the army of God. Now these were the numbers of divisions that were equipped for war that came to David at Hebron. Now, again, this is why it's important to study the Bible. The word Hebron means fellowship. It's talking about unity. Came at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him. And this next part is very important, according to the word of the Lord. So they came to this place of uniting to do what God said. A while back, I think it was this year, it may have been the year before, we talked about unity and how unity brings revival. It produces revival. Revival doesn't just happen. Unity occurs first. And so they came to this place of, of unity, of association, fellowship, to do what God said. They've got a single purpose. And then in verse 38, I believe it's 38. No, yes, 38. It says, all these men of war could, number one, keep ranks. They came again to the place of, of fellowship, of unity. To, and with a loyal heart, that's a third place of unity. They could keep rank. They knew their place and their order. Listen, every one of us has a place in the body of Christ. We don't compete. There is no room for competition spiritually in the body of Christ. We should never have to compete with another person because there's not another person like us. God made you unique because he wanted you, not somebody else, to do what he has for you. We don't compete, we complete. We join with one another. And when we join with one another, there's more than just the two individuals. 
Belgium draft horses. These are horses that are bred to pull heavy weights. One Belgium draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds. That's pretty good. How many do you think two Belgium draft horses can pull? That's right. Simple math would say 16,000 pounds. You're wrong. Another guess. 20. Wrong. 30. Wrong. 32,000 pounds, two Belgium draft horses can pull. It's not double. It's multiple times more because when you and I join together, when unity happens, what it produces far exceeds what all the individual pieces can put out there. So there is unity seen here. Men who could keep ranks, they came to the place of fellowship, unity, with a loyal heart to make David king over all Israel. To make David king over all Israel. And all the rest of Israel were of what? One mind. To make David king. There was a unity. In the seasons, with the times, we're not Jewish just doing our own thing. And if we are, we are subtracting from what God wants to do. Because our individualism is not adding to, it's taking from. You are an individual. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are absolutely unique by a divine plan. And for us to do our own thing is going to draw away from the thing that God wants done. That's why the enemy works overtime. I am watching this at an alarming, just massively bigger rate than I've ever seen in the body of Christ. To bring disharmony. To bring division. And you know how it starts? It starts with an offense. Somebody looking at somebody else seeing what they may have done, but not knowing why they did it. And we write our own story. And that story, many times, is not the best story. It's just slanted towards, I'm okay, they're not. And that's the seed of division. Bible tells us in the last days that many will deceive and will deceive many. That many will be offended. That the love of many will grow cold. These are the days. Do you understand the days? Do you understand the seasons and the times you're living in? Because it is not a season, it is not a time to be so caught up with the stuff that's going on in a world that's dying. We need to be caught up with God 
his word, his spirit, his plan, and his love for people that don't know him that are surely going to go to hell if they don't come to that place of recognizing and repenting and receiving Jesus as Lord. And it's not my job alone. I am not the hired holy man. I am a part of the body of Christ and I have a purpose and I have God's plan and I'm fulfilling God's will. But it wasn't by my choice. If I had my choice, I wouldn't be up here. I wouldn't be leading this church. Why? Because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel able. But what God's done over the process of time is he has imparted and enabled me through things that I learned and things that I didn't learn and had to learn again. To come to the place where I'm doing what I'm doing because I trust God. No different than you. Whatever it is God's called you to, to be or to do, it's going to be bigger than you. Because if it wasn't bigger than you, then you could do it and you don't need God and nobody will see God. And people desperately need to see God. Jesus has to be lifted up. The people would be drawn unto him. Christ in us, when they see Christ in us, they're not going to say, man, you're just like Jesus. But they're going to say, man, you're so kind. You're so patient. You're so loving. You're so sacrificial. And what they're saying is, I see Jesus. But they don't know it. Because if they knew it, they're drawn towards you because of that. They're really being drawn towards Jesus. And we got to get them there and let them know, it's Christ in me. It's not me. It's Christ in me. That's what you're seeing. I am not that good. But God took a person that was a wreck, just like those that were in distress and in debt and discontent. And made them something no one believed they could be. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. What God has for you will literally freak you out. It will. It'll overwhelm you. If you see what God has for you, because you're going to say, I can't do that. I'm not that person. But if God tells you that's the person he created, he's the one that knows. And he'll help us grow into it through the times and the seasons as we take the steps in the stride and the pace that he has for us. The next scripture, don't do it. Thank you, Summer, is where God brought me. And I'll be sharing that because we've run out of time. But I want to say to you, just like I've told you already this morning, your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that, that God's prepared for you. God has the best for you. 
it exceeds any wild dream you could ever dream. Now, it's not going to fulfill all your fantasies, all your desires, but it will fulfill what you were created for, all God's plans and designs. And you're going to be able to celebrate that all eternity. Can you imagine getting to heaven and saying to somebody, hey, just want to tell you about the car I had. What car? Oh, it was amazing. I just want to tell you about the vacation I took. No, our car's bad. No, our vacation's bad. No, it's only when they get in the way of what God wants done and we prioritize them above God. And so we need to really make this change this year. 2024 is going to be the greatest year we've ever had the opportunity to live. That's God's plan. 2024 is going to be one of the most difficult years for the world to live in. Because God's told us in his word it's going that way. He doesn't say that to scare us. He says it to prepare us. And you ought to know the times and the seasons that you're in so you don't give yourself to things that don't matter. Things that are unimportant. Things that are trivial and frivolous. I don't want to waste my life here. I have wasted my life in times past with allowing addictions to rule me, allowing flesh to rule me. And I am coming closer and closer to eternity. It's becoming more real to me than ever before. And I want to finish well. I want you to finish well. And I don't know. I don't know if we have months, years, decades, or centuries. But I'm telling you, it's time to start thinking about finishing well. Like every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to get into the rest of this. And it's, it's, it should be very informative and revealing to help us recognize that we can know the seasons and the times, and, and live appropriately. Not going out to plant corn in the winter. Not wasting our resources, our efforts, and our time. Because that's what the enemy wants. But God wants you to have the most productive of all life. And the only way that can happen is with him. And the way it starts is the same way for all of us. We recognize we can't do it on our own. We come to the understanding, the revelation, that Jesus, perfect, came to the world, lived the life in this fallen world the way we need to live it, and did it by dependence on, reliance in, obedience to Holy Spirit and His Father just like we can. But if we don't know Him, we'll never know the Father. And we've got to come to that place of turning our lives over and entrusting our lives to the one who gave His life to break the power of sin in our lives, and that's Jesus. If you're here and you have never turned to Christ or you're online and never turned to Christ to trust in Him, to repent, which means to turn, 
Turn around. Turn from running your own life. Turn to letting him run your life. That he would guide you. That he would guard you. And that he would govern you. Because he's the only one that knows the best path of life for you. And can empower and impart to you what you need to be who God has for you to be. And do what God has for you to do. If you've never done that and turned to Christ and trusted in him. I want to pray with you today, but I'm not going to do it just you alone. We're all going to pray. But I would ask this with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, or maybe you know you've gotten off track and you, you've gone another direction. You've just kind of taken over again, running your own life. And that's not a good life. You need to turn back. And maybe today you're saved, but you're turning back to Christ and saying, you know what? I'm putting it all in your hands again. It's under your control and your guidance. You, you need to let God know today, I'm doing this. I, I, I realize and I'm realigning. But let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this fallen world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, and was raised glorious and victorious, conquering hell, death, and the grave, seated at the right hand of the Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn to you. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I thank you for the gift of forgiveness and salvation. Today, Lord, I ask you to come into my life, be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. Guide me, govern me, guard me. Thank you for the plan that you have for me, that is for good, with a future full of hope. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You prayed that prayer here, let somebody know. If you prayed on